section eighty seven of the united states this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the world story volume thirteen the united states edited by eva march tappan section eighty seven carrying a message to general lee by john s wise on the morning of april sixth eighteen sixty five mounted upon as fine a mare as there was in the confederacy i sallied forth in search of general lee i started northward for the south side railroad it was not long before i heard cannon to the northeast thinking that the sounds came from the enemy in the rear of lee i endeavored to bear sufficiently westward to avoid the union forces seeing no sign of either army i was going along leisurely when a noise behind me attracted my attention turning in my saddle i saw at a distance of several hundred yards the head of a cavalry command coming from the east and turning out of a cross-road that i had passed into the road that i was travelling they saw me and pretended to give chase but their horses were jaded and my mare was fresh and swift the few shots they fired went wide of us and i galloped out of range quickly and safely my filly after her spin was meddlesome and as i held her in hand i chuckled to think how easy it was to keep out of harm's way on such a beast but this was not to be my easy day i was rapidly approaching another road which came into my road from the east i saw another column of union cavalry filing into my road and going in the same direction that i was going here was a pretty pickle we were in the woods did they see me to be sure they did of course they knew of the parallel column of their own troops which i had passed and i think they first mistook me for a friend but i could not ride forward i should have come upon the rear of their column i could not turn back the cavalry force behind was not a quarter of a mile away i stopped thus disclosing who i was several of them made a dart for me several more took shots with their carbines and once more the little mare and i were dashing off this time through the woods to the west what a bird she was that little mare at a low fence in the woods she did not make a pause or blunder but cleared it without turning a hair i resolved now to get out of the way for it was very evident that i was trying to reach general lee by riding across the advance columns of sheridan who was on lee's flank going at a merry pace just when my heart was ceasing to jump and i was congratulating myself upon a lucky escape i was struck flat aback as sailors say from behind a large oak a keen racy-looking fellow stepped forth and levelling his cavalry carbine called halt he was not ten feet away halt i did it is all over now thought i 
for i did not doubt that he was a jesse scout that was the name applied by us to union scouts to disguise themselves in our uniform he looked too neat and clean for one of our men the words i surrender were on my lips when he asked who are you i had half a mind to lie about it but i gave my true name and rank what the devil are you doing here then he exclaimed his whole manner changing i told him if that is so said he lowering his gun to my great relief i must help to get you out the yankees are all around us come on he led the way rapidly to where his own horse was tied behind some cedar bushes and mounting bade me follow him he knew the woods well as we rode along i ventured to inquire who he was curtis said he one of general rooney lee's scouts i have been hanging on the flank of this cavalry for several days they are evidently pushing for the high bridge to cut the army off from crossing there after telling him of my adventure i added you gave me a great fright i thought you were a yankee sure and came near telling you that i was one it is well you did not i am taking no prisoners on this trip he rejoined tapping the butt of his carbine significantly there they go said he as we came to an opening and saw the union cavalry winding down a red clay road to the north of us travelling parallel with our own route we must hurry or they'll reach the flat creek ford ahead of us fitz lee is somewhere near here and they'll be fun when he sees them there are not many of them and they are pressing too far ahead of their main column after a sharp ride through the forest we came to a wooded hill overlooking the ford a flat creek a stream which runs northward entering the appomattox near high bridge wait here a moment said curtis let me ride out and see if we are safe going on to a point where he could reconnoitre he turned back rose in his stirrups waved his hand and crying come on quick galloped down the hill to the ford i followed but he had not accurately calculated the distance the head of the column of union cavalry was in sight when he beckoned to me and made his dash they saw him and started toward him as i was considerably behind him they were much nearer to me than to him he crossed safely but the stream was deep and by the time i was in the middle my little mare doing her best with the water up to her chest the yankees were in easy range making it uncomfortable for me the bullets were splashing in the water all around me i threw myself off the saddle and nestling close under the mare's shoulder i reached the other side unharmed curtis and a number of pickets stationed at the ford stood by me manfully the road beyond the ford ran into a deep gully and made a turn behind the protection of this turn curtis and the pickets opened fire upon the advancing cavalry and held them in check until i was safely over when my horse trotted up with me wet as a drowned rat it was time for us all to move on rapidly in the afternoon i heard fitzley pouring hot shot into that venturesome body of cavalry and i was delighted to learn afterward that he had given them severe punishment 
curtis advised me to go to farmville where i would be beyond the chance of encountering more union cavalry and then to work eastward toward general lee i had been upset by the morning's adventures and i was somewhat demoralized about a mile from farmville i found myself to the west of a line of battle of infantry formed on a line running north and south moving toward the town not doubting they were union troops i galloped off again and when i entered farmville i did not hesitate to inform the commandant that the yankees were approaching the news created quite a panic artillery was put in position and preparations were made to resist when it was discovered that the troops i had seen were a reserve regiment of our own falling back in line of battle to a position near the town i kept very quiet when i heard men all about me swearing that any cowardly panic-stricken fool who would set such a report afloat ought to be lynched i had now very nearly joined our army which was coming directly toward me early in the afternoon the advance of our troops appeared how they straggled and how demoralized they seemed eastward not far from the flat creek ford a heavy fire opened and continued for an hour or more as i afterward learned fitz lee had collided with my cavalry friends of the morning and seeing his advantage had availed himself of it by attacking them fiercely to the north about four o'clock a tremendous fire of artillery and musketry began and continued until dark i was riding toward this firing with my back to farmville very heavy detonations of artillery were followed time and again by crashes of musketry it was the battle of sailor's creek the most important of those last struggles of which grant said there was as much gallantry displayed by some of the confederates in these little engagements as was displayed at any time during the war notwithstanding the sad defeats of the past weeks my father's command was doing the best fighting of that day when ewell and curtis lee had been captured when pickett's division broke and fled when bushrod johnson his division commander left the field ingloriously my fearless father bareheaded and desperate led his brigade into action at sailor's creek and though completely surrounded cut his way out and reached farmville at daylight with the fragments of his command it was long after nightfall when the firing ceased we had not then learned the particulars but it was easy to see that the contest had gone against us the enemy had in fact at sailor's creek stampeded the remnant of pickett's division broken our lines captured six general officers including generals ewell and curtis lee and burned a large part of our wagon trains as evening came on the road was filled with wagons artillery and bodies of men hurrying without organization and in a state of panic toward farmville i met two general officers of high rank and great distinction who seemed utterly demoralized and they declared that all was lost that portion of the army which was still unconquered was falling back with its face to the foe and bivouacked with its right and left flanks resting upon the appomattox to cover the crossings to the north side near farmville upon reaching our lines i found the divisions of field and mahone presenting an unbroken and defiant front passing from camp to camp in search of general lee i encountered general mahone who told me where to find general lee he said that the enemy had knocked hell out of pickett but he added savagely 
my fellows are all right we are just waiting for em and so they were when the army surrendered three days later mahone's division was in better fighting trim and surrendered more muskets than any other division of lee's army it was past midnight when i found general lee he was in an open field north of rice's station and east of the high bridge a campfire of fence rails was burning low colonel charles marshall sat in an ambulance with a lantern and a lap desk he was preparing orders at the dictation of general lee who stood near with one hand resting on a wheel and one foot upon the end of a log watching intently the dying embers as he spoke in a low tone to his amanuensis touching my cap as i rode up i inquired general lee yes he replied quietly and i dismounted and explained my mission he examined my autograph order from mr davis and questioned me closely concerning the route by which i had come he seemed especially interested in my report of the position of the enemy at burkeville and westward to the south of his army then with a long sigh he said i hardly think it is necessary to prepare written dispatches in reply they may be captured the enemy's cavalry is already flanking us to the south and west you seem capable of bearing a verbal response you may say to mr davis that as he knows my original purpose was to adhere to the line of the danville road i have been unable to do so and am now endeavouring to hold the south side road as i retire in the direction of lynchburg have you any objective point general any place where you contemplate making a stand i ventured timidly no said he slowly and sadly no i shall have to be governed by each day's developments then with a touch of resentment and raising his voice he added a few more sailors creaks and it will all be over ended just as i have expected it would end from the first i was astonished at the frankness of this avowal to one so insignificant as i it made a deep and lasting impression on me it gave me an insight into the character of general lee which all the books ever written about him could never give it elevated him in my opinion more than anything else he ever said or did it revealed him as a man who had sacrificed everything to perform a conscientious duty against his judgment he had loved the union he had believed secession was unnecessary he had looked upon it as hopeless folly yet at the call of his state he had laid his life and fame and fortune at her feet and served her faithfully to the last after another pause during which although he spoke not a word and gave not a sign i could discern a great struggle within him he turned to me and said you must be very tired my son you have had an exciting day go rest yourself and report to me at farmville at sunrise i may determine to send a written dispatch the way in which he called me my son made me feel as if i would die for him hesitating a moment i inquired general can you give me any tidings of my father your father he asked who is your father general wise ah said he with another pause no no at nightfall his command was fighting obstinately at sailor's creek surrounded by the enemy i have heard nothing from them since i fear they were captured or or worse to these words spoken with genuine sympathy he added your father's command has borne itself nobly throughout this retreat you may well feel proud of him and of it my father was not dead at the very moment when we were talking he and the remnant of his brigade were tramping across the high bridge 
feeling like victors and he bareheaded and with an old blanket pinned around him was chewing tobacco and cursing bushrod johnson for running off and leaving him to fight his own way out i found a little pile of leaves in the pine thicket and laid down in the rear of field's division for a nap fearing that somebody would steal my horse i looped the reins around my wrist and the mare stood by my side we were already good friends just before daylight she gave a snort and a jerk which nearly dislocated my arm and i awoke to find her alarmed at field's division which was withdrawing silently and had come suddenly upon her warned by this incident i mounted and proceeded toward farmville to report as directed to general lee for further orders north of the stream at farmville in the forks of the road was the house then occupied by general lee on the hill behind the house to the left of the road was a grove seeing troops in this grove i rode in inquiring for general lee's headquarters the troops were lying there more like dead men than live ones they did not move and they had no sentries out the sun was shining upon them as they slept i did not recognize them dismounting and shaking an officer i woke him with difficulty he rolled over sat up and began rubbing his eyes which were bloodshot and showed great fatigue hello john said he in the name of all that is wonderful where did you come from it was lieutenant edmund r bagwell of the forty sixth the men a few hundred in all were the pitiful remnant of my father's brigade have you seen the old general asked ned he's over there oh we have had a week of it yes this is all that is left of us john the old man will give you thunder when he sees you when we were coming on last night in the dark he said thank god john is out of this dick why dick was captured yesterday at sailor's creek he was riding the general's old mare maggie and she squatted like a rabbit with him when the shells began to fly she always had that trick he could not make her go forward or backward you ought to have seen dick belaboring her with his sword but the yanks got him and ned burst into a laugh as he led me where my father was nearly sixty years old he lay like a common soldier sleeping on the ground among his men we aroused him and when he saw me he exclaimed well by great jehoshaphat what are you doing here i thought you at least were safe i hugged him and almost laughed and cried at the sight of him safe and sound for general lee had made me very uneasy i told him why i was there where is general lee he asked earnestly springing to his feet i want to see him again i saw him this morning about daybreak i'd washed my face in a mud puddle and the red mud was all over it and in the roots of my hair i looked like a comanche indian and when i was telling him how we cut our way out last night he broke into a smile and said general go wash your face the incident pleased him immensely for at the same time general lee made him a division commander a promotion he had long deserved for gallantry if not for military knowledge no dick is not captured he got out i'm sure said he as we walked down the hill together he was separated from me when the enemy broke our line he was not writing maggie i lent her to frank johnson he was wounded and remembering his kindness to your brother jennings the day he was killed i tried to save the poor fellow and told him to ride maggie to the rear dick was riding his black horse i know it when the yankees advanced a flock of wild turkeys flushed before them and came sailing into our lines i saw dick gallop after a gobbler and shoot him and tie him to his saddle bow 
he was coming back toward us when the line broke and mounted as he was he has no doubt escaped but is cut off from us by the enemy yes the yanks got the bay horse and my servants joshua and smith and all my baggage overcoats and plunder a private soldier pinned this blanket around me last night and i found this tap when i was coming off the field he laughed heartily at his own plight i've never since seen a catchpin half so large as that with which his blanket was gathered at the throat as we passed down the road to general lee's headquarters the roads in the fields were filled with stragglers they moved looking behind them as if they expected to be attacked and harried by a pursuing foe demoralization panic abandonment of all hope appeared on every hand wagons were rolling along without any order or system caissons and limber chests without commanding officers seemed to be floating aimlessly upon a tide of disorganization rising to his full height casting a glance around him like that of an eagle and sweeping the horizon with his long arm and bony forefinger my father exclaimed this is the end it is impossible to convey an idea of the agony and the bitterness of his words and gestures we found general lee on the rear portico of the house that i have mentioned he had washed his face in a tin basin and stood drying his beard with a coarse towel as we approached general lee exclaimed my father my poor brave men are lying on yonder hill more dead than alive for more than a week they have been fighting day and night without food and by god sir they shall not move another step until somebody gives them something to eat come in general said general lee soothingly they deserve something to eat and shall have it and meanwhile you shall share my breakfast he disarmed everything like defiance by his kindness it was but a few moments however before my father launched forth in a fresh denunciation of the conduct of general bushrod johnson in the engagement of the sixth i am satisfied that general lee felt as he did but assuming an air of mock severity he said general are you aware that you are liable to court-martial and execution for insubordination and disrespect towards your commanding officer my father looked at him with lifted eyebrows and flashing eyes and exclaimed shot you can't afford to shoot the men who fight for cursing those who run away shot i wish you would shoot me if you don't some yankee probably will within the next twenty-four hours growing more serious general lee inquired what he thought of the situation situation said the bold old man there is no situation nothing remains generally but to put your poor men on your poor mules and send them home in time for spring ploughing this army is hopelessly whipped and is fast becoming demoralized these men have already endured more than i believe flesh and blood could stand and i say to you sir emphatically that to prolong the struggle is murder and the blood of every man who is killed from this time forth is on your head general lee this last expression seemed to cause general lee great pain with a gesture of remonstrance and even of impatience he protested oh general do not talk so wildly my burdens are heavy enough what would the country think of me if i did what you suggest country be damned was the quick reply there is no country there has been no country general for a year or more you are the country to these men they have fought for you they have shivered through a long winter for you without pay or clothes or care of any sort their devotion to you and faith in you have been the only things which have held this army together 
if you demand the sacrifice there are still left thousands of us who will die for you you know the game is desperate beyond redemption and that if you so announce no man or government or people will gainsay your decision that is why i repeat that the blood of any man killed hereafter is upon your head general lee stood for some time at an open window looking out at the throng now surging by upon the roads and in the fields and made no response then turning his attention to me he said cheerfully that he was glad my father's plight was not so bad as he had thought it might be at the time of our conversation the night before after a pause he wrote upon a piece of paper a few words to the effect that he had talked with me and that i would make a verbal report if occasion arose he would give further advices this said he you will deliver to the president i fear to write lest you be captured for those people are already several miles above farmville you must keep on the north side to a ford eight miles above here and be careful about crossing even there he always referred to the enemy as those people then he bade me adieu and asked my father to come in and share his breakfast i hugged my father in the presence of general lee and i saw a kindly look in his eyes as he watched us remembering that my father had no horse i said take my mare i can easily get another what said he laughing a dispatch-bearer giving away his horse no sir that is too pretty a little animal to make a present to a yankee i know they will bag us all horse foot and dragoons before long no i can walk as well as anybody have you any chewing tobacco i was immensely flattered at this request and gave him a plug of excellent tobacco it was the first time that he had recognized me as entitled to the possession of all the modern improvements of a soldier and so i left them as i rode along in search of the ford to which general lee had directed me i felt that i was in the midst of the wreck of that immortal army which until now i had believed to be invincible End of section eighty seven this recording is in the public domain